I have a brain teaser I would like to begin with this morning. I want to give you the first of two words, and I want you to see if you could guess the second word. I think under normal circumstances, you would probably not guess the second word in a million years. So let me give it to you, all right? Here's the first word. Abraham, what's the second word? Abraham what? Now, when I asked my wife this, she guessed Abraham obeyed, and that's true. But that's not the word I'm thinking of. Uh, Somebody else might say, well, Abraham believed, and that's true. Another person might say Abraham worshipped, and that's true. But it's not the second word I'm thinking of. Here's the second word. I would venture we would not guess it. In a million years, Abraham failed. Abraham failed. Now that's probably a word that most of us did not guess this morning. And if we were to ask why, I think there are two reasons why. We generally want to avoid the subject of failure. We would much rather talk about success, right? Steven Spielberg, who is the movie producer, said this, success breeds a thousand parents, failure is an orphan. And we just don't want to think or talk about failure very much. And then I think a second reason why that word doesn't come to us this morning is we don't want to admit failure because we think it makes us lesser than everyone else. We look around us, and we might say this morning, everyone around me seems to be a success, and I don't want to be the only failure. But what is the absolute truth? God only saves what? Failures. God only saves failures. We are all failures at some point in our lives. Now, today, what I want us to see is that Abraham failed royally. He failed royally. In fact, the title of the message today is Abram's Faith Falters. Abram's Faith Falters. And if we ask this question, why is this recorded here at the end of Genesis 12? I think there are a number of reasons. Number one, failure happens to believers. If you fail today, you're not alone. And then, I think this is recorded because failure is not fatal. We can recover from failure. We need to hear that this morning. And then I think a third reason why this is recorded is we can learn from failure. That is so important. We can learn from failure. Uh, There's a pastor by the name of Croft Pence who said this, Failure can become a weight or it can give you wings. And I like that. Failure can become a weight in your life or it can give you wings. And this morning, we are going to take wings. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to look at the remaining verses of this chapter. And this morning, we're going to see that it answers two questions. Number one, what leads to spiritual failure? And then number two, what leads out of spiritual failure? What leads to spiritual failure? And what leads out of spiritual failure? Now, as we look at this first question, what leads to spiritual failure, these are the exact same steps that the prodigal son took. 
Go to your Bible sometime and compare Luke 15 and Genesis 12, and you will discover that Abraham went down the same steps that the prodigal son did. You know what this tells us? This is a paradigm for how spiritual failure happens. As my wife and I were talking about this, she said the whole Bible is interconnected, isn't it? What's taught in the Old Testament is taught in the New Testament. There is one mind behind the Bible. It is the mind of God, and he teaches us the same here as he teaches us in Luke 15. So as we think about this first question, what leads to spiritual failure, this is always the way it works. Our ears in tune this morning? Let's notice what the Lord teaches us. First of all, confrontation by a problem. Confrontation by a problem. Look at verse 10, if you would. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. How many would say this is a problem? This is a problem, and it's likely one that Abram had never faced before in his life. You see, because Canaan is dependent upon rainfall, and at that time had no irrigation, a famine could mean starvation. And Abram had to provide food for a large number of people, as well as flocks and herds. That is a problem. By the way, do you know what a problem is for a Christian? Here's what a problem is. It's an opportunity to find God's solution and his provision, right, this morning? That's what a problem is. It's an opportunity. So, so far here, everything is normal. Abraham is dealing with life's problems just like we do. But then he took the next step. Step number two to spiritual failure is confidence in our plan. Confidence in our plan. Verse 10 says, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. Now, we might say this morning, well, that seems all right. I mean, after all, here's a practical man, and so he decides how he can best avoid this issue of a famine that might lead to starvation. But I want you to listen very carefully to what's going on. In the Bible, Egypt refers to the world and its resources. The promised land refers to God and his resources. Whenever Israel was in trouble and they tried to go back to Egypt, they were relying upon human resources, not upon God. So as you read your Old Testament, going to Egypt means this, using human wisdom, human ability, human resources to solve our problems ourselves. How many think that's probably not the way a Christian should go? You know what this is? It's a classic case of overconfidence rather than trusting the Lord and seeking God's will. By the way, can't you just hear uh, Abraham talking to his wife, Sarah? Sarah, down in Egypt, they have the Nile River. 
There's lush vegetation. There's plenty of food. We'll go down there, wait out the famine, and then we'll return to Canaan when the rainfall picks up. Doesn't this seem harmless to you? Of course it does. But there's no indication that God directed Abraham to do this. He decided this all on his own. Would you agree with me, whenever we take matters into our own hands without checking in with God, we are headed for trouble? I think we would all agree with that. Seventeen years ago, when we came up here from Lower Michigan, we consulted with godly people about the decision that we ought to make. And here's why we did that. It is very easy to run ahead of the Lord. It's very easy to mess up. It's very, very easy for us to assume, I've got it all figured out, but one of the things I've learned in my life is this, God often directs us through godly people. And when we have major decisions to make, to reject the counsel of the godly is foolhardy. It is foolhardy. And so Abraham puts confidence in his own plan. And then he took the third step. Number three, compromise of our principles. Compromise of our principles. Look at verse 11. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. Now, would you follow this with me here? Whenever we start relying upon self and adopting the world's wisdom, you know what the next step is? We adopt the world's ethics. Here's what one pastor has said. When we forsake the will of God, we end up adopting the world's ways. And oh boy, is that true. Abram begins scheming now to avoid trouble, and I want you to notice his ingenious scheme to protect his own skin. Because Sarah is a very beautiful woman, he is afraid someone is going to kill him and take her. By the way, that still happens today, doesn't it? We know it happens today. And so this is what he says. He says, now, honey, say you are my sister. Instead of killing me, they will be kind and nice to me. Now, we've got to just stop here for a moment. Abram's a preacher. He is God's man. How in the world can he lie like this? I think we know the answer. He rationalized, right? 
He rationalized. Someone has said this. If you want to do wrong and don't have a good reason for it, the devil will be happy to supply you one. And he rationalized. Now we could see many different ways that he could rationalize. He could have rationalized spiritually. He could have said, well, I'm the key to God's whole plan, so I have to be alive, so I'm doing this to help God. Can't you just see him talking with Sarah and saying to Sarah, Sarah, we're doing this for a good reason. We're doing this to help God fulfill his plan. He could have rationalized practically. He could have said, if somebody asked to marry my sister, they'll have to negotiate. That'll take time. I can devise a plan by which to escape. He could have said, this works. And then he could have rationalized ethically. Sarah was really his half-sister. This was not really a lie. It was only a half-lie. But let's be very clear. This was wrong no matter how innocent it seemed. This was a deceptive scheme. Do you know what a scheme is? Let me share with you what a scheme is. A scheme is a plan designed to achieve a goal by concealing all or part of the truth. A scheme is a plan designed to achieve a goal by concealing all or part of the truth. There was a man who served with Youth for Christ for many years. His name was Pete Quist, and this is how he defined faith. He said, faith is living without scheming. Boy, I like that. Faith is living without scheming. Whenever we hide what we are doing, we are scheming. Let's please mark this down in our lives. If I'm afraid of being discovered, I'm not walking with God. If there are things I do not want people to find out, I'm compromising my integrity. If we scheme, shade the truth, conceal facts, rationalize wrong, we usually get more grief, don't we? We usually get more grief. In fact, that is exactly what happens. Notice the end result of this step that Abram took, number four, complications to our prosperity. Complications to our prosperity. Look at verse 14. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, and for her sake he dealt well with Abram, and he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. Hey, you know what? Part of Abraham's scheme worked, didn't it? They treated him well. But what about the other side of the scheme? It backfired, didn't it? 
Oh, did it backfire. The Egyptians told Pharaoh that Sarah was beautiful. And you know what was true about kings? They don't have to negotiate, do they? Kings can just take. And Sarah is taken into the royal harem for the king of Egypt to have. Can you all ask the next question with me? What's Abraham going to do now, right? What's he going to do now? His wife who is going to be the mother of all God's people, is in the clutches of a pagan king. And, how is Abraham going to now tell him, I lied? Hmm? Do you walk up to the uh, uh, you know, palace, knock on the door, and do you say, uh, uh, Pharaoh, um, there's one little detail that I left out. Uh, we are actually married. Do you know what pagan kings do to people who lie to them? Right? I wonder this morning, can all of us imagine what it must have been like for Abraham in the tent alone that first night? Do you imagine that his face would be in his hands as he sat there saying to himself, what will I do now? I think we're all seeing a principle here that is taught in many places in Scripture. Here's the principle. When we compromise our faith, we complicate our life. That's what we're being taught here. When we compromise our faith, we complicate our life. This is Galatians 6-7. Whatever a man or woman sows, that, that, that shall they also reap. This is the process to spiritual failure very clear. Now I could just hear somebody here this morning saying to me, Pastor Brian, is there any comfort for me? Because this is where I am. I'm like Abraham. Pastor Brian, it's too late. I've compromised my faith and I've complicated my life. Do you have any word for me? And what I love about the Bible is this. The Bible not only tells us the problem, but it also gives us the solution. The Bible is not a book that just simply says, here's your problem. It also gives us the solution. And right here in this episode, in the life of Abraham, we not only learn what leads to spiritual failure, but what leads out of spiritual failure. Anybody interested in that this morning? I sure am. I sure am. There are three paths we can always take. Three paths we can always take. It doesn't matter how big the failure is or how small the failure is. 
you can always with the Lord take these three paths. And let's look at them together for just a few moments, all right? Number one, believe God is never finished with his children. Believe God is never finished with his children. Look at verse 17, but the Lord. How many would say with me this morning, those are some of the most wonderful words in the Bible. But the Lord. Let me ask you this. Do you hear those words in your failure? But the Lord. God is not finished with you. Now, I know it's early, but that is a statement that ought to get an amen. So can I say that again? God is not finished with you. Amen. There's a Christian author by the name of Cheryl Forbes, and this is what she said. Somehow we never see God in failure, but only in success. A strange attitude for people who have the cross as the center of their faith. Do you see God in your failure? He's there. He's there. God is present in your failure as much as He is present in your success. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. God is present in failure as well as success. Here's the second path that we can take, no matter our failure. Number one, number two, renew your commitment to God. Renew your commitment to God. Verse 17 says, The Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues, because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Now, I want to just stop here and say this. If God could rescue Sarah from the clutches of a pagan king, do you think he could have taken care of this famine? Of course he could. Of course he could. Listen, whatever fear you are facing, it is not bigger than God. And so don't run ahead of God. Instead, run to God. Let Him handle your life. You see, if you have gone down this uh, path to spiritual failure, whatever the uh, greatness of it or the smallness of it, recommit yourself to trusting Him and not yourself. See, the reason you've gotten here is because you trusted yourself, and now you need to recommit yourself to trusting God instead of yourself. Now, here's the third path that we can all take regardless of the size of our failure. You ready? Accept whatever rebuke you need. Accept whatever rebuke you need. How many think this is the hardest of the three? 50% of the crowd this morning thinks this is the hardest of the three. Look at verse 18. So Pharaoh called Abram 
and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all he had. How many think this is a royal rebuke? A royal failure needs a royal rebuke. And here is a pagan king who is setting straight a prophet of God. Abraham needed this rebuke. I love what one pastor has said about failure. We may fail many times, but we are never a failure until we start blaming others for our failure. Oh, how I love that statement. We may fail many times, but we are never a failure until we start blaming others for our failure. Abraham needed this rebuke. He needed to face the truth about himself. By the way, this is exactly what the prodigal son did. Sometime I'll ask you to take your Bible again and, and turn to Luke 15 and notice verses 18 and 19. And I want you to listen to what the prodigal son said. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He accepted the rebuke that he needed. He faced the truth about himself and he repented. And what was God's response? Verse 20 of Luke 15. And the prodigal son arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran, and embraced him, and kissed him. And God will do the very same for you, if you'll come back the way the prodigal son came back. When we face the truth, God is always pleased. When we face the truth, God is always pleased. And no matter how big your failure is, when you face the truth, God is ready to forgive, to show compassion, and to take you forward in his plan for your life. And there are always three paths we can take. Believe God is never finished with his children. Renew your commitment to God.
and accept whatever rebuke you need. That's always the path of blessing. No matter the failure in the past. Let's thank the Lord, shall we? For the kind of God that he is. As her heads are bowed and her eyes are closed. Abraham failed. And so have you. And so have I. And if we were to take time in this group this morning to hear the failures that we have experienced, we would all be humbled and we would all say, I'm like everyone else. I'm a needy person. I have messed up. I do mess up. But I serve a loving and gracious God who has promised I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Maybe you're here this morning and the consequences of your failure are very, very painful. Maybe you're living with those consequences right now. And it is a source of depression, discouragement, maybe even hopelessness. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the situation is never hopeless. He's the God of hope. He saved you knowing everything about you, the failures of the past, the failures that are still yet to come. He longs for you to learn from what has happened, to trust him and not yourself, and to let him shape you and mold you into the person he wants you to be. He calls you to come back as the prodigal son came back, humbled, repentant, rebuked, 
ready once again to live in the Father's house. This time as a changed son or daughter of the King. Lord, how we need this throughout our lives. Not only to keep us from the path that you know would complicate our lives, but also to walk closer to you because of the failures you have allowed. And so teach us your goodness, your grace, your desire to preserve us through all wrong and from all wrong. For Jesus' sake, we ask it. Amen.